Oh, what's cracking, lovely people? You're listening to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. Thank you for allocating your time, energy and commitment to listening to the show and welcome to our world. I'm your host, Matt Gardner, and I'm a registered nutritional therapist by trade. And this show is supported by 33 Fuel. 33 Fuel produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. So if you're interested in fueling and recovering with natural products, then definitely get on over to my show notes. Click the link and use Matt10 at checkout for 10% off your first order. My favourite products at the moment are probably their protein bar and their ultimate greens powders. So if you have a look, I hope you find something useful. And if you have any questions, the team are fantastic. So reach out to them or reach out to me. Now, today... We have a chap called Jack Coke on the show, and he is a performance nutritionist working with a range of athletes from pro boxers to triathletes. Jack is also the performance nutritionist for England Dodgeball Senior and Academy squads. Really cool, so looking forward to getting into that. And Jack is also finishing his master's in sports nutrition at Oxford Brooks University. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. I hope you get something out of it. And um, yeah, let's get into the show. Jack, welcome to the show, mate. Hi, Matt. Nice. Thanks for having me on, mate. No, it's good. So, um, wait, where are you in this lockdown period and, and how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. So, I'm just, so I live in Southampton, down the south coast by the seaside. Um, using the time well to, you know, get out on the beach and stuff, walk the dogs, um, go out for runs and cycles and stuff like that. So, no, yeah, it's been good. Bit of, bit of work, bit of uni work as well, getting some experience, building up the business. No, yes, it's, it's been a good few months, to be fair, mate. Oh, decent. Months. So is it, um, has, have things impacted you in terms of, do you do, you do obviously a lot of your work and, and studying online? Have you have you had to um, adapt at all or, or are you pretty kind of set up at home and used to used to a lot of the kind of, you know, digital performance care, if that's the, you know, a term we can use? Yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those ones, isn't it? And I think a lot of other people will sort of relate to it quite well. Uh, luckily, so I was sort of towards the towards the end of my masters. So for the listeners, sort of doing a masters in sports nutrition up at Oxford Brookes University. So we only really had kind of like two, three weeks left of sort of taught teaching. So we were pretty much finished anyway. We just had the obviously the the thesis or dissertation research project has been interrupted somewhat um so we're changing topics and doing something something different but no no it's, it's good and i think like long term um particularly me with so open my eyes a little bit um and other people sort of around me that this whole online kind of like platform is probably going to be integrated in you know pretty much all of our lives going forward i think yeah definitely um, and the way that we do things so like consultations and stuff like that you were to spend you know going and meeting someone and that may take two and a half hours of your time instead of you know an hour on the phone or a video call it's a much more effective way to do things so i think longevity wise for like people like us i think it's going to be a the online platform is going to sort of really kick off from here yeah i think we just have to like you said take positives and from from the nutrition industry and we'll obviously get into the performance nutrition and working with athletes in a minute i think it you know boots on the ground being with someone on a track or at a gym or something like that you do need that one-to-one interaction but yeah i think it'll be 
you know, use that term game changers get through around a lot, but, you know, it could be game changing in terms of how we can look after people and refine our systems and stuff. But mate, for, for the listener, I basically, you know, connected with you on Instagram as, as I do, the pods are really, really useful platform to be able to share ideas and, and get to know what other practitioners are doing. You're, you're great with your kind of clear and concise information on your Instagram with your infographics and, and your videos and things. So it'd be good to be good to get a few minutes from, from you to understand you're obviously studying the masters there's a huge amount of depth that you go into in there and then obviously you have to apply that practically when you're working with athletes you've obviously got one one foot still in studying and 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 reading and researching and then obviously you've got another foot in you've established a business so it'd be good to let the listener know that the kind of depth and and the commitment it takes to to do one of these masters and then obviously become a performance nutritionist Um, so I know it's a loaded question, but it, it, I don't think we address that, you know, in terms of postgraduate work. People only see it as a, as a year, sometimes two years, but it's it, it's full on, isn't it? And then obviously, you know, it's it's warranted that you then can come out and, and call yourself a, a professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one of those ones where I've sort of been enriched from it from, from my family. Both my brothers went to university and, and one sort of went on that journey all the way up to doctorate and um, is now doing a fellowship so he's you know still 31 and doing research um and then my other one just sort of finished on the day and then got a job at jaguar and drove on, on good money so it's kind of like had that had that mix of knowing kind of like what to expect and my other brother was sort of like you know it's going to be tough you know going into doing studying and and stuff like that um it's a big commitment um but i guess from my point of view so I, but like the listeners, I sort of did a, a, a three-year degree in human nutrition um, at St. Mary's University in Twickenham, uh, which was accredited with the AFN. Um, and I kind of like left there sort of feeling like there's not a lot of opportunities out there. And actually, funnily enough, um, it was one of your, we got a guest lecture from one of your guys you had on the podcast, David Dunn. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he won't know because he doesn't, because I haven't told him or messaged him or anything. But it was his kind of like talk which gave me a bit of inspiration and I think it turned a lot of other people away. Um, he said basically you've got to be really passionate. Um, you're gonna to have to play the long game with nutrition, you're gonna to have to really care about athletes, not you know, put yourself first, but the athlete first. And that really sort of struck home and was like I was sort of thinking like, you know, I've got to go away and really work hard at this and, and position myself above other people. Um with like the work ethic and, and showing that sort of like passion for nutrition, I guess. Um, so that was kind of like a light switch moment. Um, and then, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to try and set up my own, my own sort of business uh, before I'm my master's and get that sort of set up. So you're not finishing the master's per se and then having to do it. Um, yeah. Cause I think trying to set that up now would be really difficult with, this, with the circumstances as well. Um, so yeah. Hey, fantastic. Yeah, David's great. He's someone I've obviously followed and then again, connected with him, had him on the pod. And uh, yeah, he's 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 just a great thinker and he's 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 very direct with his communication. And when when he talks, obviously, you can tell that he means it. Um, I took a lot away from that behavior change conversation that we had. And I know he's working on a few things behind the scenes, too. And it's just um, man, it's interesting that, that that's that was a bit of a tipping point for you. Um, that's really good. And I think there'll be a few people listening to this that are, you know, potentially on the fence or studying or thinking about getting into nutrition or just interested to understand how you do it. So 
um yeah it's, it's good to kind of lift the lid on that a little bit so obviously you finished at st mary's set up your your performance yeah. nutrition business and then um you're now obviously finishing the masters a little bit disrupted but like you said you can do it remotely um and and did you did you did you specialize in a certain area in, in that postgraduate course or do they cover a few areas and you get to choose your your um you know your your kind of dissertation and and, and your project in there um no, I, I think it's probably just a sort of generic sports nutrition course i think they, they cover pretty much the, the theory and then do more practical in the second half um with my dissertation the original sort of like topic was to build on the research in low energy availability and relative energy deficiency in sport in male athletes um, because there's been a lot of research shifting towards male athletes from female athletes over the sort of past sort of five years so we were essentially going to try and work on building a, a better screening tool or correlating um, questions to predicting the risk of low energy availability um, in male endurance cyclists mm. but obviously we can't go and you know, tap into that sort of base at the moment, person to person, mm. um, or at least we couldn't do two months ago. So we're just using some data from before and sort of just running some tests on that to, to sort of find the best questions to use. Um, so a little bit different, um, you know, changing it up a bit, but it's to sort of take a box really and got to get it done. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just part of the process, isn't it? Like you said, you, you do some things to get to get the qualification, and there's other bits you pick up from from these kind of guest lecturers and people coming in and experts. And then, like you said, you kind of figured out pretty early that you, you wanted to work with athletes, performance minded people, and then you needed to find that edge. Um, so and it's definitely if I look back, finishing my undergrad, I was nowhere near setting up something like you're doing plus studying on the side. So obviously, you know, you're, you're pretty driven in the thick of it at the moment, but maybe just walk us through um, how, you know, how, how you established the business. And, and did you was it OK, you know, cast the wide net? athletes are athletes and obviously we're going to get into the to the to the sports and and areas that you work in a minute but you know who who was the first person through the door mate or or team through the door how did that work your first bit of business uh, yeah yeah so so with like most things in business you sort of like work it out as you go along and you don't really know like what the answer is and I still don't really and I'm still to this day sort of niching down in a way because you think all the researchers they have a particular topic like that they specialize in most people have a job which they specialize in so to say that you're a nutritionist is, is very broad for example you know you would work with only a certain kind of like base of people um, and i think when you try and work with too many people from too many different backgrounds and, and sporting contexts your message can get lost quite easily mm. um i could give it like a, a, an example off the top of my head if you're trying to recommend nutrition for a golfer per se and then you try and recommend nutrition for uh, a long distance runner um, your message is very confusing you can give a blanket approach obviously but if you're specifically trying to target someone's pain point or, or problem it's going to be very different from a golfer from an endurance runner so it i guess yeah it's trying to niche down and get it you know target a specific athletic population but my first my first sort of client i worked with was a was a sprint athlete so I kind of like set it up with the intention of doing sort of like the first four or five people for free um, just to get that experience and to get testimonials sort of thing because mm. they're kind of like worth their weight in gold. Um, so I did the first 
the first five people for free so I didn't get paid uh, last summer for, for working with people. And, and yeah, so it was sprint triathlete um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of niching down. So I worked with a few squash players as well. Um, some, some, some just sort of like, you know, runners, long distance runners uh, and sort of trying to niche down now uh, to working with combat sport athletes and, and endurance athletes. Because I think what you'll find and, and a lot of the listeners here will sort of echo it, most team sports athletes, so you've got like footballers, rugby players, people like that, they'll have access to, to nutritionists or support through their relative clubs. So if you're sort of like a freelance nutritionist trying to target those athletes, it can be quite difficult. Um, Definitely. But yeah. But it's good, it's good to have these conversations, mate, because... Um, you know, when you're not told that as 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 an undergraduate, even even if you're finishing postgrad courses and things like that too. You know, they're an education system at the end of the day, and um, I, I still think they need to kind of catch up in terms of like, right, look, you you're qualified up to the nines. You know how to read research. Um, you know, like you said, you you've you've worked you've worked in a few kind of small settings around um exercise and labs and things maybe, and 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 you've got involved maybe with some supplementation and things, but. Yeah, like you said, um, people have the dreams of going to work for clubs and things. And that was the same as me. I just thought, you know, sports nutritionist landed an intern role at a rugby club. And God, I remember that first few months hit me hard. You know, they're not they're not they're not that interested. You're just another name. You know, you've kind of taken someone else's intern role. You're doing all these jobs. But I was the same, you know, determined. And I think that's it. You have to just do some of these little things. And then when you get small wins with people and you actually start seeing change and then people start valuing your your information. And then obviously you're refining your own consultation process and your screening process and other companies you're working with on supplementation or or extra information you're giving to clients. It's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting process, mate. So um, you've also got uh, some work going on with England Dodgeball. So obviously people... people um, I think might look at that and 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 actually think, uh, you know, that I, we didn't realise that was a, you know, that that was a, that was a, that was a sport that has you know quite a considerable bit of backing, um, and I'm sure the people you work with are pretty committed, mate. So it'd be cool to kind of lift the lid a bit on that and how you got into it and some of your experiences so far. Yeah, yeah. So so that's it's a really it's a really good a good bunch of people up at England Dodgeball. Um, so yeah, they, they they are sort of like a, a, a national team, um, and they won international competition a, a couple of years back. Um, so these these guys, you know, I've been and watched them at their training facility, and these made no sort of like doubt about it. These guys are, are athletes; they throw these balls at very very high speeds, and if you get hit by one, it hurts. Um, and they have a lot of shoulder mobility issues. Um, so these guys are, are proper, you know, athletes, but you wouldn't think it so much. Um, how I got into that was another chat which you had on podcast Oliver, Oliver Whiteman um, actually just sort of passed that role on to me, um, which is which is pretty cool of him to do. And and yeah, so the stuff that we sort of do in dodgeballs obviously changed and doing in sort of house workshops or presentations and cooking workshops and stuff has now obviously moved online. So over the past few months, uh, myself and other members of the team have obviously had to collaborate and and deliver these sort of sessions over things like Zoom, um, like cooking workshops and, and things like that, and online presentations and, mm. you know, groups for accountability and, and things like that. So, and that's been, it's been really cool trying to, you know, transition over to that online thing. And like we said at the start of the podcast, we've had a discussion in-house and sort of said, well, we don't meet that much as a group anyway, because, you know, 
it, they, we usually meet sort of like once every, every couple of months as, as a collective group with all the squads for a training day. Um, so we said, well, potentially to, to upskill players and keep up the education, we could use online technology more regularly. So like cooking workshops with, with academy players, uh, four or five academy players at a time, or, you know, offering, you know, things to get people together, like quizzes and, and just simple things like that to, yeah. that we haven't used before, but, but we had access to. But this whole situation has kind of opened up our eyes as to how we can use this online technology, you know, even when we go back to, to normal and Definitely. use it to supplement what we currently do. Yeah, definitely. And it changes the environment, doesn't it? Like you said, if you've got people kind of checking in and and re- reading things online, attending workshops and then and then the culture changes. And I like to kind of when I, when I, when I meet people, I don't really work with teams as as much anymore. Um, But with individuals, I kind of think, you know, environment, capabilities and motivation. Um, obviously, we're quite lucky if we are working with people because you know, we're, we're, we're running like a small, you know, performance nutrition based consultancy service. When people do come knocking, they usually are motivated, but then it's that capability side of, like you said, okay, do you know how to make a balanced plate of food? Let's get into maybe some cooking workshops. What's the environment like with the team? Do people talk about nutrition and is it something that's, you know, assessed and is there a bit of accountability around, around what people are doing before and after training? So, um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how 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 it gets on when things go up and running again, mate. Because it sounds like you're taking the time to really, you know, build build both of those you know both of those areas, the environment and the kind of capability section and and what they have access to you. So you might be busier. So obviously yeah. you have to then allocate your time and think. Actually, I've got my my pro, you know my my private one to one clients and actually the work here with this team is kind of building. Um, and then another conversation that isn't really had between practitioners is obviously then sitting down and thinking, OK, how, you know, what am I going to then sell if there's more opportunity here? But, you know, I want to niche down in endurance sport and combat sport. So it's a good problem yeah. to have. But again, it's just something that isn't really discussed as much, is it? So it's good to kind of open that up on a podcast a bit, really. Yeah. And I guess just going back to, to what we were just saying earlier, is that one thing that we do quite a lot is we, we do it. Uh, you said we did. So this essentially means that the players give feedback and they say what, what they want, essentially, um, mm. which is a thing that the practitioners don't do enough of. Um, if you actually ask the athlete what sort of support they want, it informs what you're going to do much better instead of you going in and giving, you know, spending hours giving information out or educating, etc., using your time and resources. Um, and they're actually not benefiting benefiting from it, and they're not engaged. So we do a uh, thing called a "you said we did," mm. and players will give their feedback. Each player gives feedback, and then we give an action point to say how we're going to solve this problem and provide them with the support that they've asked for. Mm. So that works really well. Now I think it's a great tool, and yeah, with the everyday athletes and kind of you know normal people that are really into their endurance exercise that I work with, it's. Yeah, it's making sure I do have that little note in a in a kind of consultation process to reflect back and had a few sessions on Friday and it was exactly that. One of the chaps asked me, you know, caffeine, look, I take these gels, um, I'm a habitual coffee drinker, and then we ended up spending five or ten minutes of the of the consult talking about that. But actually I could see in his face he was he was really keen to get that information. And that was one of the one of the kind of like top bits of 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 chat that he wanted to get through and then me as a practitioner i'm thinking i've got to hit x y and z so like you said there th- those those little things are really important and just putting it back on them oh, and, mate, and seeing what they want for us 100 and, and this is something i've massive 
um, realized massively over the past couple of, of months and weeks even that because you come with all this knowledge and it's fantastic and you really enjoy learning about it, um, doesn't mean that other people do. And it's actually these tiny things which make a huge difference to someone that's passionate about their sport. I'll give just an example of the back of my head. I, I was having a conversation with an athlete I worked with the other day and they were saying how they were having um, something like you know sausages and eggs before going out for a run, um, quite high in fat. They, they sort of got like stitch and felt bad when they were running, uh, gut issues. So I said, oh, and just make a simple swap, like have some have some muesli today or, you know, just like a bagel with some peanut butter, and banana or something, just, just you know, higher carbohydrate, lower, lower fiber. And they go, oh my God, I, this made such a big difference. You know, I felt so good during the run. And it's just, that's, that's not crazy science. You know, we, we didn't mention pyruvate dehydrogenase or mitochondrial yeah. biogenesis in that chat, you know. We, it, it's literally that simple. And I think that we can get quite sort of overclouded with, with all the research and information that we have available to us, but ultimately the athlete doesn't really, you know, care that much about about the research as much as you do. No. Um, yeah, you're completely right. It's that to and fro process. And if I can, you know, I'll get be interesting to see how you do things, but I'll get a kind of two two week day, one weekend day, you know, food log or diary or whatever you want to call it, if I can. And then after that first consultation, I kind of do these these uh, monthly packages. If, if the client or clients can kind of log then a, a week after we've had that hour consult, that is gold for me because then I can see if they've taken on a few of my recommendations, but also, you know, what are they doing since we've had a conversation? And then that first check-in, it is literally chat around food swap. How did you feel? Uh, what worked well? What didn't work well? And then I feel like that's where we come into our own as practitioners because it is... You know, it's that personalised nutrition approach, really, like you said. So, um, no, it's 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 good in it, and and it's just you just have to keep it, keep it simple, and have a consistent message, like you said there. So they're not questioning yeah. things, and you you stick to something for a while. You agree action points, and and then you you just try to get them to trust as well, to to trust in the process that that they're going to see change, because obviously, a lot of the time our industry is kind of touted as you know a nutritionist comes in. And they'll do a presentation or you'll have a consultation and you'll just be changed for life, you know, and and people people bill themselves out at a lot of money, don't they, for an hour help. And you think this person must be incredible if if they're charging X, you know, I'm going to learn why. But it's almost that's day one, isn't it, with what we do once we've done the first the first uh, consultation. And then it's all about what, what comes next. Yeah. And this is a thing which um, it's a good point that you touched on there is that you can get really bogged down about, you know, writing all these things in plans and, and making it look all shiny and polished when really that the person is really paying for or benefiting the most from your contact time and your knowledge Definitely. for your actual coaching instead of the amount of information you're writing down on paper. And a perfect example that, that, that I have of this is that a few months ago I was writing a plan for a professional boxer that I work with and, and I had a bit of a light switch moment and I was writing, you know, a four-page sort of pay, uh, document, sorry, on, on creatine supplementation. Um, and I was thinking, what a waste of four hours that I could have been, you know, out doing something when, when realistically the conversation that needed to be had was a 10-second one mm. when I saw him at his boxing gym, which was, you know, you, you would benefit from taking creatine. It's going to help, you know, retain your lean mass when you're in a catabolic state, so you're losing... You're losing um, 
bodily tissues such as fat and muscle mass and it's going to help you get that extra snap in your punches and that was the that was the conversation we needed to have and then it would have been i'll buy it for you let's get a habit checker and make sure that you you stack that habit on something you already do so if you have a coffee first thing in the morning let's put the creatine powder next to the black coffee granules um just just so it's in in your head so that you know to take it and that was what a 15 seconds little conversation and i think it's these little things that that people don't realize is that you don't have to go crazy with planning and you know giving too much information because realistically he was never going to read that document anyway Mm. like i guarantee you he wouldn't have opened it so i would have emailed it to him he would have forgotten he would have got bored reading it but that conversation where i know that he hears it and i know that i I use that sort of language which is you'll get that extra snap on your punches all of a sudden his ears prick up Mm. because it because it relates to him as an individual athlete um so i think it's using those not just saying have uh, i'm trying to think on top of my head not just saying have you know vitamin d because it's going to do x try and relate it to the individual athlete so if it's an athlete that gets ill quite frequently and getting frustrated with missing training days you might say you know you might wish to supplement with vitamin d3 because it's going to help you know protect your immune function and then all of a sudden that that message sort of hits home um that kind of makes sense yeah 100 percent. that's a really good point mate and the habit checker that you touched on is that a term you just use to to kind of um you know square the athlete and, and person that you're working away with to to ingrain that or is it something that you actually um you know you, you send them and you log and you keep how does it work? That's obviously a, a useful term, but is it something that you do, you do make them uh, contribute to, or is it just the conversation between you? Yeah, it, it depends on the individual athlete. To be honest, um, I think when you're working with more elite clientele, should I say that 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 are really focusing on just their training, um, the kind of key is for you to do the work. That's the whole point, right? Um, you should be doing the form filling. Uh, and stuff like that so i would sort of yeah i would sort of fill that stuff out and then i have clients on on a monthly sort of retainer package which, you, which you've just mentioned that you do something similar where i just use a use an app which, which tracks habits and they can track the habits daily um, by locking onto the app so they'll just be assigned habits which you know which we're trying to sort of make habitual um, and automate almost definitely and we do like habit stacking so like i just said they're stacking a a habit onto onto a current habit to make sure that they stick to it or it becomes automated but i think for for kind of like elite athletes that are that are really training in the sport and they you know they have access to an snc coach to plan their training they have maybe a physio uh they have a they have a coach they have these people on board to do all the hard work for them so if you're getting them to fill out a consultation form and stuff um you might not get the best results if you, if you just just fill it in yourself and ask them the questions i think yeah, it makes sense. You just at that top level, you're trying to reduce decision fatigue as much as possible and just have a clear message. Now that's a good distinction to make, mate. And then obviously you can, you know, you can change it if you're working with, um, you know, amateur amateur athletes or in, endurance enthusiasts or everyday athletes. If that's a term people are kind of starting to use as well. So, um, no, I mean it's an interesting approach and um, something I've been using a bit more. Like you said, talking about personalising things. Obviously, we're not in front of people at the moment, so I'm I'm using more of um, something called Loom. I don't know if you've played around with that before. Uh, um, video software. Yeah, and I and I thought yeah. I had that kind of 
thing in my mind thinking actually I could I could film a ton of videos here fuel for the work required supplementation you know all that kind of stuff and and then boom you know I can I can send these out uh front load the work um but then I realized actually you know how hard is it really to start the video with each client's name and actually do a personalized video um of some of these resources and like you said they do hone in because you say their name you say this is why we're working on this together this is what you'll get out of it and then you can go into the rest of it um so yeah when you said that there I was thinking I'm glad I'm glad I committed to that because I could have easily just and I don't think they would have minded they would have obviously watched the resource watched me talk through it and it would have been useful but like you said it's it's that it is it's those it's the way you deliver things and you learn to get you know more efficient and better and create those connections as you become an experienced practitioner yeah, I don't. I kind of want to get your thoughts on this because it's it's kind of like an issue which bugs me with with just the way businesses do it. The word bespoke kind of gets thrown around a lot. It's like a term, like a buzzword, when people are saying like you know like bespoke running programs and things like that. And all it is is just someone chucking you know someone's name on the top of a pre-made plan. Yeah. Um, but with with like bespoke, what do you sort of deem the word bespoke to be? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's just something where, you know, people put a list of things under their services and people want to read it. But I think it's just all it's all bump at the end of the day. You know, I've I I suppose, you know, I do need to update a website or things like that. But I offer this just simple free 15 minute conversation. Um, and, and if and if an email comes in or something, depending on the day in my workload, I will try and snap that up as soon as possible. You know, get their number, give them a ring. And then that just cuts through all the noise and we have a conversation and I talk about my, my service, my kind of monthly rolling package. And then people, you can tell people are either in or they're out. And um, yeah. that seems to work really well for me. And I think maybe if I converted my Instagram and started doing all these lists of what you'll get. And like you said, using individualized, bespoke, all that kind of stuff. I think it's just it's just much of much muchness, isn't it? You know, people people know they're going to have to pay for for care and 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 you know people aren't silly if you're throwing out generic programs it, it's uh i just don't think that that language needs to be said but then maybe someone who's potentially working with that person and trying to help them grow their business you know if they're coming from a marketing side or a i don't know digital media side maybe they're, they're in their ear saying you know you should use these words um so yeah it's it's not it's not something i do but who knows people might be very busy out of it but surely the whole point of it is that you know you're you're gonna get an individualized program anyway um so yeah, yeah exactly that's a given yeah so. <laughs> no so yeah hopefully well hopefully i'll look back and i haven't ever written that word or um i'll look really stupid but i don't think i have um but yeah it is weird and i think i've seen i don't know if it's from maybe it's from you or, or a few it could have actually been from from um oliver as well about about posting around um you know people paying for consultations and just getting like you said there the the generic information over and not a lot of care and contact and touch points i don't know if that came from one of your posts was that you yeah and that made again that people don't talk about that enough so you're very you're very clear with your message um and it's not you're not attacking anyone you're just kind of being honest and filling in the gaps because people think about these things a lot and i've had conversations with people that have wasted their money so it's, it's decent you're kind of you're being quite honest with that kind of stuff this, yeah, this is the thing as well that, that you know you have to kind of realize is that not everybody wants to be coached. 
So you'll get some, let's go for like an endurance runner. You'll get an endurance runner that might want the full works. So when I say that, they might want to go and get a VO2 max test. They might want to get the body composition analyzed. They might want to get professional dietary analysis, etc. They might want all of that because um, they're invested properly in their sport and they've got the money to spend on it. Then you might get someone that wants to be coached and they want that accountability and they want to be checked in on and they want to be supported because, you know, endurance running or something like cycling can be a lonely sport. You know, it's not like football where you've got 10 teammates um, to sort of pick you up and back you up. It's a, it's a lonely sport and it's quite psychologically difficult as well. You face a lot of mental battles in endurance sport. So having that somebody there, it, like I said, it's, it's not so much about the crazy in-depth nutritional planning. It's more about just sort of being a support person for the athlete. Um, and providing them with useful information which will help them. The amount of conversations that I've had with athletes which haven't even been related to nutrition, mm. but they, they come back and loop back to nutrition in a roundabout way. Um, and then, of course, you've got people that just want a plan or they just want an idea of what to do, and then they'll just go away and do it. Mm. Um, so the, kind of like the, those consultations, I find, um, uh, something I offer are really useful for someone that, is maybe listening to the misinformation out there. They probably just want to get some five to 10 tips to go away in so that they can implement on their bike rides. Um, they don't want monthly coaching. They might check back in with you in a month's time or two months time just for another consult, just before they do a race maybe, mm. just to get a few more tips. And it's a really, a really useful because you can have a really good in-depth chat in an hour and they can really make use of that time if they come prepared. So I think, yeah, having, having, a, having a range of options for for different for different people is really important because there, there's not a one size fits all so if you just roll with kind of like a monthly coaching option you'll, you'll find that you're missing out on quite a lot of potential business and a lot of potential you know athletes that you that you know you can help i think and i think it's a really lucrative way to sort of you know make some sort of some good income uh, and help people at the same time because you know in an hour chat you can give away a lot of information that like i said would take you maybe six seven hours to write up in a plan do you know what i mean so 100 percent. i think these these consult these consultations and like i said earlier that the way that we can do them online just like using zoom or skype and things opens up a lot of a lot of possibilities for athletes to get access to, to people like us to you know help fuel their performance yeah i totally agree and like a, hu- a huge amount of my, my other working in the cor- corporate wellness industry is is like that um, you know, consultations, people come in, the turnover's so high. And when I started in that business, I, I kind of was a bit like, why aren't people coming back? And then I realised a lot of these busy individuals, you know, they they just wanted the one-off. They wanted to take the information, assimilate it, use it, and they'd get back in touch if they needed it. So it's that balance between my private work, I can, like you said, be that support person, uh, get to know them, support them with nutrition. And then the other part of my work, I'll, you know, I'll deliver a lot of yeah, you're, you're talking for the majority of the hour or the 45-minute follow-up and they're taking the information, everyone's happy um, and, and you, they, you know, they use it and um, that's just another 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 line to the service, really, another strand. Yeah, and I know some people, they're definitely, like, they might do a consultation and they might provide feedback, report. Some people might just ping them a quick email afterwards with maybe some recipes or just some key points from the console. Um I think it's really just sort of like up to you as a as a practitioner and an individual what, what what route you want to go down. But as long as they're kind of getting the information that they need, um, 
like I said, you can get bogged down with making things look fancy or trying to justify that you're adding value, if that makes sense. So, you know, maybe designing things and things like that just, just to sort of show that you've got adding value. But when really it's it's the key messages that you're getting across which are going to help them perform better that are going to, you know, reap the biggest rewards for the athlete. Um, yeah. You're totally right. It's all it's all about the outcome, and like you said, you can get lost in all, all all of these shiny tools and things. But if someone's coming in and they want to perform, they want to win, or they want to change their body composition, or they just want to feel better, not and not nap two or three times a day, you know, whatever it is. If if you if if you're a young practitioner listening to this, or um, you know, you're starting to build a bit of a client base and things like that, and and I've often, you know, gone gone down roads and and you know, you don't forget that that's what you need to do but it can get blurred so it's just keep keeping that outcome that goal at the top um and and then working through from there and then when you get to know the client okay you know is it the one off or is it something where you're going to support this person for half a year towards feeling better looking better performing well whatever it is really so yeah it's good you know similar to you mate it's it's been different obviously not seeing people um keep keeping self to myself but it's i think in in the industry we're in at the moment it's exciting times i know there's not a lot of professional sport going on and and people aren't in offices so working in in performance nutrition and corporate wellness and things it's it's, it's a bit dicey but then i think the digital side um yeah i think it's really interesting so i'm i'm i'm, I'm excited for things to open up and, and go back again um so yeah, yeah we'll, too, we'll see too. what's what's um so What's what's next for you, mate? Obviously, uh, trying to trying to finish the studies and things. You're working out of Southampton and things. So how can how can people stay in touch with you and and you know if people obviously follow you, what what can they look forward to seeing really? Yeah, so I guess next steps for me is yeah to to, to finish my masters. Obviously, is the main thing. Um, and register with SCN in, in a couple of weeks' time. And then continue sort of growing the growing the client base and and just improving my skill set, getting a clearer message out there and, and sort of, yeah, like I, like I spoke about earlier, niching down and trying to get more combat sport athletes on board and endurance athletes, those are two areas which I think like support is lacking and where nutrition can make the biggest difference and you, you get some really dedicated athletes um, from both of those sports, the amount of drive that they have, um, especially combat sport athletes. Uh, the amount of sort of like resilience and, and how hard they work is, yeah. is scary. Um, they're really passionate and determined. So I'd love to work with more of them. And it can, nutrition really makes such a big difference in that field. Psychologically as well, like in fight week, if you've got a hungry, dehydrated fighter, psychologically going in, going into a fight, um, they're tired, moody, hungry, fatigued. Um, shattered that they're not in a good place to go into a fight whereas if you can provide the solution to that problem and you know have them eating five meals a day four meals a day in fight week you know keeping them hydrated and until until it's necessary maybe to do an acute acute you know dehydration maybe the day before weigh-in day or, or day of um, and use you know scientific research strategies to help them cut weight then then you can get a really happy fighter and psychologically they're in a much better place to then step in the ring. So I think, yeah, trying to, trying to build that and then maybe searching for a role part-time in, in, in a club setting, I think would be, would be really good. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. And um, yeah, for anyone listening, if, if you're interested in nutrition sport, 
combat sports and things it's, it's certainly not something that I work in or have experience in and you know the great thing about the podcast is I can I can signpost to other practitioners young practitioners across the country now um, and yeah as as you guys continue to listen and I grow my listener base it's, it's just a great opportunity to find out more about um, what's happening in the performance nutrition field and, and if you're interested and as you can probably find from our conversation you know there's no smoke and mirrors you can look at websites usually um, Jack can obviously save himself in a minute but we're very approachable and yes okay parts of performance nutrition might be with elite athletes but you don't have to be an elite athlete to, to take on advice and and use some of these um, tools and, and tactics and, and, and work and work with practitioners and things. So don't hesitate to reach out. And um, that's, uh, you know, that's fine for me to say to you as well, Jack. People can reach out and start conversations and, and see how things go. Yeah, no, totally. And I used to think that, you know, putting out maybe content, um, you know, with, with giving out answers was like, you know, don't give out answers or free advice. But, you know, people want free advice they can type into the google search bar you're not you're not shielding advice by saying you know have five protein feeds a day or something that's that's not you're not shielding advice from people they can type that into google um so giving away don't be afraid to give away free advice and you know i get people message me on instagram and reddit some social media channels and things like that inquiries um and i happily help someone if they've got a query yeah uh, and it's just like we we are personable and we are happy to help people um, we're not just looking to get you hooked onto a sales call and, and sell you stuff. <laughs> no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, just, just don't be afraid to help people. Cool. Help people out. Definitely, mate. Look, awesome to have some of your time and just get a bit of a kind of window into your world as obviously you're growing as a practitioner and finishing off some of your studies and looking to to you know really cement yourself into some of the combat sports and endurance sports so it's uh it's great obviously we chat you know all the time offline and stuff like that too and it's it's good just to bring you to to the kind of growing audience on the pod mate so it'll be good to get you back on maybe we dive into a certain area like combat sports in the future and and chew the fat and and listen to how you do some things or you know we could break down a client client case maybe um and i'll put i'll put everything that the listeners need in the show notes your instagram and website and is is there anything else you want to signpost people to before we before we wrap up uh yeah yeah that'd be really good um so i sort of do most of my stuff on on instagram really good platform so that's that's jack coke uh, underscore nutrition and yeah my website's not finished yet it'll be sort of finished in the next sort of three four weeks um so it was sort of like mid-july i'm expecting to have that have that wrapped up and published so that would just be Jack Coe Performance Nutrition. But if you type into Google now, it will come up with a you know website and development sort of page. So cool. You won't be able to contact me through that. So yeah, Instagram is, is the main one. Brilliant, mate. Good. All right, lovely people. Hope you found something useful from the show. You know, reach out to both of us if you have any questions or things. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Have a great week and speak to you soon.